Welcome back to the program. There's always someone that leads us into the future. Someone whose vision and entrepreneurship combined to make the next big idea into the next big thing. This has been true from Ben Franklin to Edison, from Thomas Watson to Bill Gates, from Howard Hughes to Steve Jobs, and today Elon Musk may very well be the inheritor of that mantle. Electric cars, space travel, high-speed transportation, and even new forms of education are all part of the vision that Musk sees, and his vision may be well on the way to becoming our current reality. My guest, Ashley Vance, has written a new biography of Musk. Ashley Vance is one of the most prominent writers on technology today. He spent several years reporting on Silicon Valley and technology for the New York Times. He's written for Bloomberg and Business Week, where he's written dozens of cover and feature stories for the magazine. And it is my pleasure to welcome Ashley Vance here to talk about Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the quest for a fantastic future. Ashley, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. First of all, talk a little bit about that inflection point, the moment when when Elon Musk really started to become a household word, at least among those that, that follow technology and look at these things, because there really was seemingly a moment when that really started to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of follows my journey a little bit, I think, of, of kind of getting interested in him. Um, you know, I've covered Silicon Valley for 15 years or so and had largely kind of chalked Elon up to the category of either the dreamer or the overhyper for a long time. We, You know, people had kind of heard about Tesla for many years and it had struggled to get its first car out. And then um, in SpaceX, I think most people thought it was kind of like a space tourism type company, even though it's not. And then around 2012, I mean, everything changed for me. The SpaceX got a rocket to the International Space Station and resupplied it and Tesla came out with the Model S sedan, which was heralded as, you know, perhaps the best car ever built by by the automotive press. And then Solar City, this company where Elon is uh, chairman filed for an initial public offering and I thought, you know, this guy is hitting it on all cylinders and I, th- I think the you know, he really did become a household name and maybe sort of the inheritor of, of Steve Jobs here in the in Silicon Valley um, at that point because he delivered on some of these products. And how was Musk viewed in Silicon Valley at that point? Well, I mean, there's a mix. I mean, you've got, you had sort of your, already you had your Elon fanboys, as I kind of <laughs> call them, which were people who, you know, even since the days of the Roadster, I mean, here was a guy who was making an electric car that was really sexy, and even though only the rich, uh, the richest of the rich could afford it, um, you know, and he talked big. I mean, he was beloved in Silicon Valley, but there's a whole other camp that I think definitely had put him in that same spot that I had as kind of like a P.T. Barnum sort of figure there for a while. And then now, I mean, there's just no question when you go around Silicon Valley and you talk to startup founders and stuff, I mean, just like people used to sort of aim to be like Steve Jobs. They, they all want to be like Elon these days. He was also part of a very fascinating in and of itself fraternity of people that came out of PayPal. Talk a little about that. Right. Elon had had co-founded PayPal. That was kind of his second internet company in his late 20s. And I mean, there was just this incredible um, 
assembly of talent there. You've got Peter Thiel, who went on to become kind of the lead investor in Facebook. Max Levchin was the CTO um, of PayPal, and he's gone on to invest in a number of companies. Reid Hoffman started LinkedIn, and, and the list kind of goes on and on from there. And Elon was he was the leader of, of this so-called PayPal mafia for a while. He was the largest uh, shareholder of PayPal. He was the CEO for a time. Um, but then, you know, really, I mean, it's kind of an interesting part of the book where there's a there's a coup <laughs> and Elon gets kicked out of PayPal. He hops on a plane to go on a vacation and, and everyone kicks him out. But he's he's subsequently um, made peace with those other PayPal founders and they've all gone on to be kind of the the radicals of Silicon Valley. What was it about that group at that particular time in that particular place that really was was so unique that gave rise to so much talent? They seem to, you know, I mean, we're talking about kind of like 1997, 1998, 1999, you know, at least for Elon's part, he had um, kind of a vision for the Internet that was beyond what other people were seeing at the time. I mean, people were barely kind of comfortable buying things off the Internet with their credit card. And, and he wanted to start an entire online bank where you'd put your savings, you'd have your your mutual funds, your 401k, you'd have credit cards, do everything from this one central place. And then the other guys had similar vision, but also were just very bright and driven and executed well. And they've all sort of continued to do that and the user that followed. I mean, it's just, a, it's a group of, of, um, of kind of doers, I guess you would say, and, and they don't really um, let much get in their way. Talk a little bit about the entrepreneurial side of Musk, because clearly it, it's obvious to see the vision side and, and the dreamer part of it, as you've talked about, but the ability to take that dream and, and make stuff happen. Talk a little about that. There's a guy in the book who has one of my favorite quotes. He's a he's an ex SpaceX employee, and he kind of says, you know, you you don't want to compete against Elon. He's gonna out hustle you, out think you, out compete you. And and it, I mean that's the element of Elon that I really came to see is that he certainly has the big idea of the entrepreneur, but it's really the work ethic that I think. Um, kind of sets him apart and, and it's a mix of good and bad. I mean, he is relentless to the point that he is really hard on employees who, who sort of can't keep up or, or he at least expects you to keep up with him and, and six hour, I mean, six day work weeks are pretty typical at Tesla and SpaceX. And then, but you know, Elon sort of demands the same of himself. And, and I think people see that example and they try to live up to it. Um, but that was my biggest takeaway is that, there's lots of entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley, but I haven't seen, and I've interviewed tons of them, I, and I just, even among the elite, I just haven't seen people with the same sort of intensity that he has. Talk about that intensity, not just in terms of, of the work and the hours that he puts in, but really what constitutes those hours and what, what happens. Well, you know, we haven't seen anything like this, really. I mean, Steve Jobs ran two companies. He ran Apple and Pixar, but it and was kind of famous for that. But it was it's very different to sort of what Elon does. I mean, he Steve Jobs was primarily focused on Apple and then spent maybe a day a week at Pixar, whereas, you know, Elon's 
splits his time every week between Los Angeles, where SpaceX is based, and and Silicon Valley, where Tesla is based. He is the full-on CEO of both companies. He there's definitely people that manage the day-to-day operations of the companies, but Elon is, is approving hires. He knows everything that's going on. You have to come to him to buy expensive things and get his approval, and he's working on sort of whatever problem is confounding the companies at the time. So we haven't, you know, this is very unique to have a guy who is is the full-time CEO of two companies and then the chairman of a third company in Solar City. And he works, I mean, he basically works seven days a week and, and lives this totally bizarre lifestyle spread across two cities. Talk about the interest in space and SpaceX, because it's easy to understand how Tesla came out of Silicon Valley culture. A little more complex when it comes to space. Right, absolutely. Well, SpaceX is probably the most unlikely to succeed of of all Elon's companies and and is actually probably the best performer at the moment. was sort of driven from this quest to be what they described at the, in the early days of SpaceX as the Southwest of space, kind of the low cost provider. And, and they had initially for, for launches, I mean, they take, they don't do space tourism. They take satellites to space for countries and other companies and would compete against entire nations like the European launch services and, and Russian and Chinese and no private individual had ever done anything like this before. And SpaceX had many, many years of struggles to get its first rocket off and then to get sort of a regular launch type cadence. And, um, and then today, I mean, what's happened is, is really unlikely. They, they've become, they are the low cost launch company in the entire world. The U S which had, gone down to zero launches per year in terms of, of bidding on the international stage is, is now once again a leader in this market. And, and SpaceX makes you know, 90% of their rockets at a factory in Los Angeles. Um, so it's kind of this incredible uh, American story, really, uh, kind of this incredible story of manufacturing in, in 2015. Talk about that in terms of of where the vision was in this, because it's more than just the race to the bottom in terms of price. There was a lot more involved in in imagining what he could accomplish here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, I mean, you know, the, the putting the satellites and the stuff up is, is kind of the business end of SpaceX, but the, the dream, and I mean, Elon, some people might think it's crazy and, and some people might completely agree. I mean, his, his main goal in life is to set up a colony on Mars and he thinks the human species needs a backup plan in case something catastrophic happens on Earth and you know, he did not, he started SpaceX in many ways to upend the aerospace industry, but completely with the goal of getting the price of rocket launches down to the point where um, you can cost effectively send stuff to Mars. That's the entire goal. And so it's, it's very sort of strange as a company to wrap your head around and then, and then you, um, you know, you've either got to buy in to Elon's philosophy here or, or just think perhaps you think he's wasting his time. And talk about the employees and the way they buy in, even to the point that that at SpaceX in in Los Angeles, he even set up his own school for his the kids of his employees. 
that you know he's his companies are sort of unique i mean i guess all companies uh, on some level have a mission um the mission of his of course elon sort of talks it up in this this grandiose terms i mean if you're spacex you're trying to set up this colony on mars if you're tesla you are trying to change the world's energy equation and get us off fossil fuels and save us from uh, global warming and and the people who tend to go to these companies and who are willing to work the hours that Elon demands, I found in my reporting and in the book, I think it bears this out, you know, are people who also buy into this mission. I mean, it not only helps them put up with Elon's uh, demands, but sort of the ups and downs of his management style. I mean, they, they kind of overlook this because they they want to accomplish these huge goals the same way he does and i think um some people burn out along the way but on the whole i mean what we've seen is that he's able to get more out of uh, the average employee than that a typical boss would by quite some margin what impact has it had on his personal life well, he's got <laughs> he's got uh, it's a Hollywood style personal life. I mean, he lives in Los Angeles. He's um, he had a college sweetheart that he was married to and had five children with, twins and triplets, all boys, and and they got a divorce in 2008. Sort of the the middle chapter, the middle part of my book is this chapter all about 2008, in which Elon's entire world is basically crumbling. SpaceX is going bankrupt. Tesla is going bankrupt. He's getting a divorce from his first wife, Justine, the college sweetheart, and she's blogging about it, and and the press is lapping that up. And then in the midst of this, he meets a British actress named Tulula Riley. She's very young. She's just about to start her career, and he falls in love, and and so so there's this love story, and then he goes on to uh, get divorced from her and remarried and divorced, and now, as I understand it, he's getting back together with her. Um, so at least in his love life, it's quite tumultuous. And then for his children, uh, it's anything but a normal home life. They come to the rocket factory on weekends. They're probably the only boys in the world who are kind of bored of going to the rocket factory. And, and you know, one weekend they might be off watching the F1 races with the Prince of Monaco or going to the Super Bowl or, or then back in Los Angeles. So it's, it's quite dramatic. Talk about that lifestyle and, and his embrace of it even within the context of this sense of being driven as far as the work is concerned. There's also a sense of appreciating the lifestyle that goes along with it. He's, well, again, he's kind of different to other Silicon Valley CEOs that I've run across in that respect. I mean, most of the people here in the Valley are happy in the tech bubble they're happy in the tech world they're not um even though they might be enjoy being sort of powerful ceos they're not living this like celebrity lifestyle whereas elon's very different i mean he enjoys living in los angeles he he's obviously working hard but he enjoys the trappings that come with being kind of a quasi celebrity he's sort of the um, you know, he, the people talk about him being sort of like the Tony Stark, Iron Man type figure. And there's some truth to that. I mean, he is the, he's the scientist in LA that the, the celebs like to pal around with. And, uh, you see Elon going to all the big, the big fight, the Kentucky Derby. He's always where the big event is. And, and he, uh, certainly kind of relishes this reputation. Talk about his upbringing in South, his early upbringing in South Africa. Well, it was very it was difficult. You know, he he was born in South Africa during the apartheid years, and 
he was a precocious young boy kind of consuming science fiction books at this incredible rate um and at the same time you know he was close with his brother and his sister and some cousins but really i mean one of the sad parts in the book i thought was that he he just doesn't have any close friends at all i mean i got the sense after interviewing his grade school chums that nobody went over to his house for a sleepover or he didn't go to anyone else's and and um he was basically just bullied um at school and when he wasn't being bullied he was being ignored and and nobody really expected that much of him he and you know, he he kind of takes all of that in, and at 17, he, he runs away from home with $100 in his pocket and goes to Canada and works kind of a series of odd jobs before going into university. And so uh, you see this kid who had a really rough life and, and broke with it and then, and then more or less kind of lives what you might think of as, as like the American dream after that. When was the turning point when, when he realized that technology and, and the dreams and the vision that he had could really lead to success or certainly could lead to what he wanted to do? I think it went in different stages. I mean, as a pretty young kid at 12, he saw a computer at the mall and immediately demanded or asked that his dad buy it for him. And then he gets home and he spends two days in this very Elon Musk way without sleeping, going through the entire coding manual. And so he, he, you know, he always had this lust for technology when he was a kid. He used to always tell his dad and his family that he wanted to go to Silicon Valley just because he'd heard that's kind of where the, the action is. And then even though he was not terribly distinguished um, in grade school, once he gets to college, he starts doing very well at school. He starts... Um, he went to the University of Pennsylvania for a time. He, we, we see these entrepreneurial leanings. He's throwing big parties on the weekend where they charge 20 bucks a head at his, at his house, and he kind of pays his way through school with these huge parties. And, um, and then he's writing papers, which I got my hands on in the book, where he's talking about electric cars. He, he's talking about new types of battery storage. And so very early on, that's kind of you could see where his passions we're starting to go. And then around 1994, um, you know, he hears what's happening with the early days of the internet and decides that he has to move to Silicon Valley and, and be a part of that. So it's very conscious. Even now with running two companies, Tesla, SpaceX, and the other things he's involved in, there's still more. There's still other things that, that he very much wants to do. Things like the Hyperloop and, and others talk about that. Right, he's got this tremendously full plate running these these two um, to three companies at the same time. He's announced things like the Hyperloop, which is, uh, you could think of it as like a monorail on steroids. It would be a, a raised, um, you know, new mode of transportation in which the 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 cars inside of this tube go about 800 miles an hour. So, you know, maybe you get from LA to San Francisco in a half hour or so. And, um, I mean, it's all theoretical at this point, although, um, even just before we got on this call, uh, SpaceX has announced they're going to build this mile long test track for people to, to try out their ideas for the pods and, and things like that. Um, in the book, you know, there's sort of a fun part near the end where Elon and Larry Page, the CEO of Google, I kind of go through some of their brainstorming sessions. They're good friends, and they have these these secret meetings where they they kind of uh, go through their sci-fi fantasies. And Elon starts talking up a 
an all-electric vertical liftoff plane, a jet, more or less. And so the idea would be, um, instead of having airports on the edges of cities because they're loud and, and you need these long runways for the planes, it's if you were going to Manhattan for some meetings, wouldn't it be nice if you could just fly right into the heart of Manhattan? And, um, and obviously, you know, if you're worth 10 or 20 billion dollars maybe these are the things that you dream about and and so elon you know he's as he's already set to work on a design for that type of plane how does money fit into the equation for him how important is that i think as he's gotten significantly wealthier in recent years i mean it's been a tremendous help to him and his businesses because he has these uh he, he's not afraid of burning through money and he, he tends to set these huge goals and his factories take a ton of money so now he actually has resources at his disposal you know he's shown throughout his life though that um, he's been willing to to make money to lose it all to make it again to make more I mean he, he, you know he, he doesn't seem um, he, he's not afraid of taking more risk once he's put some some money away and again um, this does not come from sort of like a Elon fanboy place at all. I mean, I, I just honestly believe unless he's lying to himself and all his family and friends that this goal of starting a colony on Mars really is what drives him and, and to the extent that he can make money to see that through. I mean, that's what he cares about. Talk a little bit about the manufacturing part of it because in many ways when you look at the Tesla factory, when you look at the, the rocket factory in SpaceX, in, in some respects, it's about as far away from, from the ethos and the mindset of Silicon Valley as one can imagine. And yet, it's very much a part of it within the context of Musk and, and, and the story that you tell. Talk about that disconnect and, and, and how people, how young people particularly in Silicon Valley and San Francisco, see Musk and, and what he's doing in terms of manufacturing as an extension of Silicon Valley. Right. Well, that's what drew me to him as a, as a subject in the first place. I have covered Silicon Valley's history and, and had a deep appreciation for kind of the semiconductor and the, the, the computing roots of Silicon Valley when, when there were uh, tons of manufacturing plants employing hundreds of thousands of people. And, and I've grown sort of cynical of <laughs> all these consumer and entertainment services and apps and things like that. And so, um, you know, for me, Elon represented a... <laughs> Uh, a throwback of sorts to, to, to this other time. And I, I mean, I think what he's done, and, and this is kind of, I guess, maybe like the intellectual underpinning of the, the book, if, if you could argue that, is that uh, he's taken that Silicon Valley expertise in software and applied it to industries that um, had not done a very good job of, of really embracing modern software. Um, you see in automotive and, and aerospace, I mean, that has really been kind of where Tesla and SpaceX have made their mark. There's no question that Tesla is a car, but it's also a computer on wheels. It's kind of something we haven't really seen before. He's thrown out all of the physical buttons 
and put them in the 17 inch touchscreen. The car gets updates, you know, through the through wireless connections. You don't even have to think about, and and so your car actually gets better over time, which is a totally new concept. <laughs> I think we're used to our cars running down. I mean, you can wake up one morning and it has more range than it had before. It's got new types of control. It's got new entertainment features, and um, and so this is is unique. And SpaceX similarly has blended um you know they've moved away from the really costly specialized electronics and software of the aerospace industry and moved more towards consumer equipment which has drastically reduced the price of their um, rockets while upping the technology and the speed at which they can move and so um i think your point is right that that even though these other entrepreneurs in silicon valley sort of admire him i mean there aren't a lot of them doing hardware today although i suspect and i argue in my book that you know perhaps we will see a lot more because of elon it really harkens back to to people like Hewlett and Packard and and the guys you know Noyce and Moore and the guys that started Intel. It really harkens Absolutely. back to that era more than anything else. Absolutely. I mean, those are the guys that I <laughs> you know I I don't want to sound I'm I'm only thirty seven. I don't want to sound like some some curmudgeon or anything, but I mean th- those are the people I I grew up admiring and writing about and, and really got into when I was studying Silicon Valley's history over the last decade or so. And, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, he we'd sort of lost some of the companies that were doing kind of that day-to-day battle with physics and, and setting up these manufacturing plants. I mean, we, I guess we hear in the media all the time that the U.S. has lost its manufacturing edge and it's too costly to build things here. The funny thing about Elon's companies is that one is building a car in Silicon Valley and the other is building rockets in Los Angeles. And so, you know, not only... Is he building it in the U.S.? He's building it in two of the most expensive <laughs> spots that you could imagine, and um, he's ended up. I think people would be surprised by the amount of jobs he's created. If you take Solar City and SpaceX and Tesla together, you're talking about upwards of twenty thousand jobs that have been created at his at his plants. Ashley Vance, the book is Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the Quest for a Fantastic Future. Ashley, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank Thank you. you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.